Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns, and we're here to discuss a variety of topics. Bullying is just one of them, but there are a lot of people today who are experiencing a host of other problems, domestic violence, workplace bullying, cyberbullying, community and family bullying. And, you know, often when I speak to people, I discover that they seem to be having trouble with the people that are the closest to them in their life, like their parents or their siblings, people can become angry and bitter and just don't realize that there's a choice. And it can become just as easy to develop love, joy, peace, and patience as it is to be angry, bitter, and vengeful. Now, this podcast is for anyone who wants to have a fuller, more vibrant life and to offer some ideas on how to balance the physical, the mental, emotional, and sometimes spiritual areas of their life. But make no mistake about it, we're anti-bullying 101, so it's truly my hope that we can help everyone live a life without the fear of harassment, intimidation, and bullying. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Now, the last time we were together, I, I covered a topic that was called, What If the Frankenstein Monster Was Really a Nice Guy? And it was a what if. And if you haven't listened to the episode, I'd encourage you to go back and take a listen to that. But one of the things that I shared was the idea that what we create, we have to control. We create children. We procreate. We have children that are born to us and born into our families. And if we can't initially control them, 
they end up or teach them and help them understand the benefits of certain qualities in their life, they become an adult like Frankenstein did that becomes even more out of control and becomes more of a nuisance in a home as a teenager than they could ever be as a contributing member of the family or the school or whatever um, area of their life that they're in at the time. It could be a job. It could be just about anything, a church. It could, it could be a lot of different social venues. The point that I'm making is, is that we have to be aware of what our children need when they are younger to help them become successful adults. Frederick Douglass, and I'm going to have these quotes through in, in the episode description, he quoted, he was quoted as saying, and I'm going to paraphrase it, it's easier to build a boy than to mend a man. It's easier to build strong children than to mend broken ones. And I couldn't agree more. Because as as what happened with Frankenstein, he was created, but he was a monster, and they could not repair, they could not mend him. As with children when they're younger, we don't encourage certain behaviors that are necessary for lifelong success. We don't hold kids accountable. So by default, we are giving them the impression that we might agree with their, be their behavior. And oftentimes you can find parents who are at times intimidated by their own children for a variety of reasons. And you could find teachers that are afraid of students in their classroom and those kids end up controlling the class and the ones that the parents are afraid of control the home. Teddy Roosevelt said it's easier to educate a man in mind and not in morals is to educate a menace to society. And that's what happens with kids who are educated. I have known plenty of scholastic uh, academically uh, smart kids, they're a menace. They, they absolutely don't understand certain character qualities that are necessary for them to go through life with because they were never taught them, as was Frankenstein. And what happens when you have a Frankenstein? You have to dismantle it. That's the mending process that we go through as parents and as educators to try and fix broken kids. And they would not be broken had they been taught the necessary qualities in order to be successful. Now, there's a couple of things I'm going to do with this podcast, and this is going to turn into a four-part series. Um, that I'm going to be talking about. Now, if you're a listener and 
you want to get the qualities that are necessary for these kids to experience lifelong success, I'm going to put my book in the episode description. And the book is The Real Three R's, Respect, Responsibility, and Resiliency. But there really are four qualities that kids need. Four. Respect is one of them. It it has to be taught. Kids can't say and do anything that they want. The next one is responsibility, which is following through on tasks and chores and homework and, you know, being growing and becoming a person of integrity. The next one is resiliency. How do you bounce back? Do you, how can you handle disappointment well? What do you do if you're told you're not as smart as you thought you were? by a teacher who's been working with you now and has said, hey, wait a minute, you know, you know, I don't care what they told you in the fourth grade, you're in the eighth grade now and you haven't caught on yet. What do you do with that? Resiliency. Or when you lose a game or you're playing sports and you can't bounce back and you don't have the confidence, how do you do it? Resiliency. You don't get the job you want. Resiliency. And and there's the fourth one that we all forget about and nobody wants to talk about. And it's the white elephant in the room. And that is that it's actually the 800 pound gorilla in the room. And, And that is I used to say obedience. I now say compliance. You got to do what you're told when you're told to do it. Those are the qualities that are, and it doesn't mean you got to agree with it. Those are the qualities that are necessary if we want to build strong children. Remember, we want to build, not mend. We want to build, not mend. That's the title of this podcast. Let's build and stop mending. Let's start building and stop mending. And you're going to discover a great deal of information in this podcast. And if you're smart, you'll keep listening each week because I'm going to be sharing. And I still stand on the fact that we are all responsible for our thoughts, our words, our actions, our attitudes, and our motives. I still stand on that. And when you look at being respectful or responsible or resilient, you're talking about having respectful thoughts first, responsible thoughts first, resilient thoughts first, and of course, obedient thoughts first. So we'll start by looking at how we can get kids to be more respectful, and I'm going to cover five areas. And this will be the respectful piece. And then we're going to be covering three other areas as we move forward. And remember, I am putting Respect, Responsibility, and Resiliency, my book, that's on my website. I'm going to put the link to it 
and it's going to be on sale for $2.99. So I would encourage you to, to go there and get it. You just have to go to bullyproofclassroom.com, go to the store, and you'll find the book. And I'll have the whole link there for you in the episode description. So let's take a look at, let's take a look at responsible, respectful thoughts. And when you think of respect, when you think of respect, it basically is having a regard for the rights and privilege of another person. That's what respect is. You have a high regard for the rights and privileges of another person. And usually when someone is disrespectful, what is one of the things that they have to do if they are disrespectful? When they're little kids, we're talking about the building process right now. Okay, With little kids, if they're disrespectful to one another, we have to to ask them to apologize. And remember, when you ask kids to do something, that means that you have a goal in mind for what you want what you want out of them. And in this case, we want kids to apologize to one another. Now, let's just say two kids are acting up and they and they're, one of them is rude to the other one. What do you do? You say, well, say you're sorry. What do you do if they don't want to do it? Remember what the goal is. And remember who you are. And understand what you might need to do if, in fact, this child doesn't want to apologize. Because we're not looking for, at this point, some type of heartfelt apology. Because remember, when we ask for something, we want to get it. And if we don't get it, that's called disobedience. Then we got to deal with something else. Raising children is not just, you know, a matter of they're there. There's a teaching process that's involved for parents and for, t- and for teachers when they get kids to school in terms of respect. If you want that child to do what it's told to do, you have to think about your relationship with that child uh, up to that point. And I have always encouraged parents and teachers to have in their back pocket something that was taught to me by Dr. Alan Mendler. He's the author of Discipline with Dignity, and it's called a 2 by 10 exercise. Two minutes a day for 10 days straight, have a conversation with your kid like he was your best friend or she was your best friend. And do this with your own children at home. Just chat with them. Because in order for that child to listen to you and to be respectful, they have to have a relationship with you first. That relationship will get you where you want to go. That'll help you reach your goal. So when you say to this child, hey, you have to apologize, they'll do it. And if you have got, and if you have a um, um, strong relationship with your child, what'll happen is they will do what they're told to do. They'll do it. 
because of the fact that they respect you first. That's what'll happen. And if you're, if you're respected, they will do what you ask them to do. And how do you earn that respect? You follow through on discipline. You, uh, you practice something that's called rules and regulations and compassion and understanding. You do that. You make sure that they understand that you make the decisions in the home or in the classroom. Not that you're not going to listen to their input, but what you're going to do is you're going to um, do make the, the final decision. You'll have final decisions. You make sure that they understand that they do have choices in some areas, but it in order to get choice, in order to earn choice, what you have to do first is be compliant and respectful. That's how you get kids to become respectful. You offer them things. You make sure that they understand that they'll get something for their behavior. Because that's the most tangible thing that kids can, that kids can um, uh, understand that they're going to receive something, a privilege or something in return for what they do when they're little. Because you're trying to teach them how to be respectful and you want them within their private logic to have the thought that there is gain and loss with everything. That's how you begin to solidify in the child's mind respectful thoughts. That they understand that if they're not, something is going to happen. And if, they, and if they are respectful, better things will happen. That's respectful thoughts. Now, let's talk about respectful words. Respectful words... Now, here's, here's a short piece that I wrote several years ago, and it was in Anti-Bullying 101. Respectful words. I can say what I want when I want to. And I guess that's called freedom of speech. I guess we can post or text anything we want to as well. Now, kids have been sold this. What kids need to understand is they can say, post, and text whatever they want with consequences. Just because we're thinking something doesn't mean we have to say it. You see, there's the progression. The thoughts then lead to words. And if they have don't have respectful thoughts, they're not going to have respectful words. They need to evaluate their words and what damage those words can do. The tongue weighs about two ounces, yet it can control the, the events of our entire life. Healthy confrontations, debates, and constructive suggestion are good qualities of communication that we all should develop. But spewing rumors, gossip, and hurtful statements are only going to create a school environment or a home environment that's void of morals, trust, and integrity. So let's teach your kids 
that if they're going to say something that could prove hurtful, just to wait 30 minutes. The wait time will allow them to evaluate the cost of their words and avoid the guilt that they will experience for hurting another person. Remember, we're just a compilation of what others have said to us and what others have done to us. Victims suffer because of verbal abuse, that's of bullying. So understand that these words can truly cut deep into the heart of a person. Now, how can you begin to help kids understand respectful words? First of all, we have to be an example first. We have to be an example first. How can we be an example to our students and our children? Number one, let's teach our students the value of compliments and practice giving them freely yourself. And if you're a husband and a wife, compliment your spouse in front of the kids. So you become a model for respectful words. Encourage them in your classroom both student to student and student to teacher. You know, I've seen situations where a kid could say something to another child in the classroom or maybe to a sibling and nothing happens. But if the same thing gets said to a teacher or to a parent, the kid gets thrown out of the room. Respect, take respectful words are necessary between kids as well. So if a kid disrespects us as an adult with their words, they're held accountable, but they should be held accountable when they're disrespectful to one another. If in fact you're a teacher and you're in a parent meeting, don't allow the child to be disrespectful to their parents. I've seen this before. I've seen it before and it's not good. And, and guess what? When you stick up for that parent, you strengthen the parent-teacher relationship. Help your kids understand that spreading rumors and gossip and having drama and all kinds of other things, either in the home or in the school or amongst friends, just does not work. Teach your students how to cooperate even when they disagree and Encourage them to learn how to disagree with the right attitude. And guess what? We're all going to have a bad day. But just because you're having a bad day, don't make everyone have a bad day. Kids will come in, they'll act up and so on. They'll say, "Uh, you know, I'm in a bad mood today. You know, well, that's tough. So am I. But I'm not going to take it out on you. I got a few things in here as I mold through some of the content that I want to share with you. You know, we hear kids talk to one another all the time and they use such profanity, it's almost unbelievable. You know, there's a point where we have to say, hey, you know what, it's unacceptable. And we have to talk to kids about how they speak to one another and how they speak 
to adults because oftentimes they start using the same language with adults and it is just so disrespectful. Now, last story I'm going to share with you um, on respectful words and that is I call the deaf boy story. There were two boys who were brothers. One of the boys was deaf. They had a friend who hung around with them all the time, and this friend was like the biggest jokester on two feet, always telling jokes or making fun of someone or something. Now, one day the three boys were headed out of the house, and this jokester started to make fun of the way the deaf boy spoke. Well, the deaf kid couldn't hear, and the brother gave a half-hearted laugh, and they left the house. No harm, no foul. The deaf kid didn't hear, so no one got hurt. No one heard, right? No one heard except the deaf kid's father who was reading the paper in the den. Now let's fast forward the tape. At the time of this incident, these two boys were sophomores in college. Two years went by and they both graduated with degrees in business administration. They both went on the job hunt. This jokester had an interview with a large insurance company. He had to go through one more phase of the hiring process. He had to meet the vice president of the company. Who do you think the vice president was? The deaf kid's father. And the only perception that he had of this young man was that he made fun of his son. It cost him the job. See, people hear and watch. And you never know when you're going to need someone or something. And the things that are of our greatest desire of our heart are the things that will be withheld from us because of our past words or actions. Self-control is important. And as I shared, if your tongue, a one-ounce body part, has more control over you than you have of it, it will cost you when you least expect it. So you never know respectful words now how about respectful actions actions do speak louder than words they do and here we are thoughts lead to words words translate into actions kids get placed on the battlefield in schools during the school day because of their words and get pressured into taking action. And of course, it all starts in their head. The more that gets said, the more action has to be taken. And most of the time, these actions are taken out of impulse, leading to serious problems between two students and students and sometimes students that are friends. And Often what will happen is you have people setting up in schools bunkers because you have kids that are friends with one side and kids that are friends, friends with kids on the other side. So my point here is always keep your pulse on the climate of your home, of your classroom. Listen, let me tell you something. In 1998, we had the Columbine incident in Littleton, Colorado. And these kids were Harris and Klebolds. They were high school students. 
But let me explain something to you. You're going to tell me that those parents of those two kids didn't know that they had dynamite in the basement? These are the things that I'm talking about. You have to know what's going on. You have to pay attention to what's happening in your classroom and in your home. And you have to be in a position where you don't agree with everything. You have to be in a position where you realize that, that somebody might be lying to you because kids will lie all the time. And sometimes when kids are not not doing well emotionally or mentally, sometimes those thoughts will escape the confines of their secret life and they become public. And by that I mean they end up doing things like Harris and Klebolts. So we have to be aware of what's going on. We have to be aware of the thoughts. We have to be aware of the words. We have to be aware of the actions. Now, how do we do this? How do we do this? You got to help your kids understand that they have to approach every interaction with respect, whether they believe that the other person's behavior has earned that or not. Encourage your students to listen to the other person that they're speaking with without interruption and practice empathic listening. And you have to help your students be aware of the problems caused by labeling and stereotyping others and replace these behaviors with respectful thoughts that respect individual differences. It's very important that we do this. Help your kids show respect for the environment. Keep it neat and clean and orderly. Insist that they say please and thank you. And respect, kindness, caring, love, and charity. They all, in charity, they all have to become part of the fabric of your home or of your school. Now, in the book on the real three R's, Respect, Responsibility, and Resiliency, I have a whole section on character. Character. Now, respectful attitudes. I teach a course called Cooperative Discipline that was written by Dr. Linda Albert. And in that book, in that course, she talks about the five A's to an A-plus relationship. And I'm going to just go over them with you here. Acceptance. And that each one of these is what the teacher is saying, what the student is saying. Acceptance. Teacher saying, you're okay. Student is saying, I'm okay. Attention. I see you. What the student is thinking, I'm important. Appreciation, thank you for. And what the student then begins to understand is, my efforts were noticed. Affirmation, I know something wonderful about you. 
What is this student saying? I'm worthwhile. Affection, I like you. And what the student is thinking or believing is somebody cares about me. Now, the interesting thing about this is that this is pretty easy to do. I just made a change there. How about that? Um, but it's difficult to do in the same breath. Uh, strictly because of the fact that we are all imprinted. And sometimes when these things are not done to us, when they're not done to us, when we haven't been appreciated, when we haven't been accepted, we carry that imprint as an adult. See, we were built as well, but we still have to be mended because the dysfunction that was in us as um, in our upbringing, we've carried that with us. We've carried that with us throughout our lives. So it's very difficult to have be accepting, show, give kids attention because we're still kids at heart and we want attention. Our private logic is I want the attention. I don't want to give it. I want to be appreciated. I don't want to give it. So oftentimes we are still kids at heart ourselves. And we have to be aware of that imprint that we have. Because if we can become aware of it and we, be, and we can become selfless a little bit more, we will be able to communicate that to other people. And we can then, like I talked about in the very beginning, become far more generous with compliments and praise to others. Next one that we have is responsible motives. Now, motives are related to expectations. And that's why we're always asking why someone is doing something for us. What are they looking for in return? Maybe nothing or maybe they're looking for something that we can't deliver, like money, sex, or something illegal. We should all work to do things for each other without ulterior motives. We have to be pure in our actions. They should be kind and caring and respectful with the motive to help, not to hurt. To help our students develop respectful motives, we as parents or, again, this is for parents or uh, teachers, we need to have clear expectations in our classrooms and our goal should be to get our students to do the required work and behave in the appropriate manner before we allow privileges and activities. A child should always be thinking, and I've shared this, what am I going to gain and what am I going to lose before they engage in behavior that violates the rules of the classroom or the home. Being clear about this will avoid arguments and power struggles with our students and at times with our own children. And within the book, what I put out for you is what's called an expectation and procedure checklist. 
And you would be surprised the number of things that are necessary in, and that are necessary in a classroom or in a home. And by the way, if you want to just challenge yourself as a parent, one of the things that you could do is determine what is involved with certain chores that you may have assigned your child to do. And just think about it for a minute. What does it mean to clean your room? What does it mean to dry the dishes? What does it mean to feed the dog? Now, I have three daughters, 31, 25, and 12. My oldest daughter wanted a dog when she was three or four years old. And we told her it requires care. And we had the dog and we got the dog for her. Feeding the dog, what does that look like? To her, it was two scoops in a bowl, throw the fork in the sink and let the fork sit there until it got encrusted and hardened with dog food and then put it in the dishwasher, but it never came off because the fork still had grains of dog food on it because it was so on there so hard. And of course, dad used it to eat dinner or walk the dog. Do we know what the purpose for walking the dog is? And so the dog can relieve itself. And they first wanted to walk the dog my oldest daughter, she went out, walked the dog, came back. I said, great job. She wanted to do it by herself. I didn't have to go with her. I thought, this is great. She's going to handle it on her own and so on. The dog comes back into the house and craps on the floor. The point I'm making here is everything has a step-by-step -step operation to it. And kids have to be aware of it. They have to be aware of how they do things. You see, they have to be aware of what they're going to get. They have to be aware of what they're going to give. And they have to be aware of what their motives are for doing things and what the goal is as they do things. And we have to be clear and we have to be what I will call effective. See, oftentimes when we teach our kids, our little kids something, by the way, in terms of our words and in terms of us trying to get kids to do certain things, sometimes the worst conversations that we can have with somebody are the ones that we think we have. So what does it mean to be effective? When we're effective, we've explained things well enough so it takes hold and our kids slowly but surely learn from us and the learning is permanent. We go nice and slow. Too much, too fast won't last. It's better to spend 10 days teaching one skill that your kids will learn, your students will learn for a lifetime than teaching 10 different skills in 10 days which they could forget the day after you taught them. The problem that you may be faced with, this is if you're a teacher, is that there's plenty, plenty 
of expectations in terms of moving through this ambitious curriculum. And if you have the feeling that your kids haven't grasped the concept, then you should spend more time on it. But oftentimes the curriculum won't let us. Now, sometimes the things that we need to do effectively, we try to do efficiently. And that's in terms of dealing with that overambitious curriculum. But the bottom line here is if you're efficient, you have the ability to take care of the day-to-day administrative paperwork that seems to be never-ending, such as attendance, grading papers, your grade book, lesson plans, etc. And you need to do those things in an efficient manner. See, efficiency means fast, effectiveness means you're doing it methodically and you want to get it done right. Certain things you have to do quickly, certain things you got to take your time with. And I think in education, we got it backwards. We try to move too efficiently through a curriculum. And that's not what we want. We want to be able to move effectively. And that's when kids are going to learn. My name is Jim Burns. You're listening to Anti-Bullying 101. We're going over how we can build strong children rather than to mend adults. And we're gaining an understanding that if we just educate academically but not in character and morals, we're educating menaces to society. This is, this is part one of a four-part series The next piece that we're going to cover in our next uh, episode of Anti-Bullying 101 is on responsibility. Responsibility. And once again, we're going to be covering thoughts, words, actions, attitudes, and motives. I am putting in the episode description a link to the real three R's, respect, responsibility, and relationships. I'm putting it on sale right now for $2.99. I would encourage you to pick that book up. Uh, it's well worth it. Uh, it is, I will tell you, it's not Kindle. It's a PDF, which will be very easy for you to read. You'll be looking at the same content I am, and you could have it for our next episode of Anti-Bullying 101. Today is Wednesday, April 6th. I am in New Jersey, and it is raining like crazy. Hopefully it'll stop so I go out and take a walk at some point. But right now it's raining and we'll have to deal with that for the day. The nice thing is hopefully it won't be raining tomorrow because tomorrow starts the baseball season. April 7th, I am a Met fan. If you're not, well, I'm sorry. But that doesn't mean we can't be friends. And I am your friend. And I thank you for listening to this podcast This episode of Anti-Bullying 101, I thank my listening audience for all all the time they spend uh, with me. Even though I don't see you, I still want to let you know I love you all. Thank you once again for listening. My name is Jim Burns, and I'll see you in the next episode.